Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, a Canadian delegate at last week's climate change conference in Egypt says there's a complete change in world attitude around livestock production. We'll hear from Bob Lowe of Nanton, Alberta. He's the past president of the Canadian Cattle Association and the vice president of the World Roundtable on Sustainable Beef. Also, soil testing in the fall is a good way to determine fertility needs for the spring, and the key to a good fertility plan is a representative soil sample. Dr. Diane Knight, a professor of soil science at the University of Saskatchewan, will offer some tips. The Canadian ag industry is a day away from finding out who the 2022 Canadian Outstanding Young Farmers are. Attendees are in Saskatoon right now, and we'll speak with President Steve Cooper about what all is on tap. And if we have time, some chefs in our province have developed relationships with bison producers to prepare dishes with locally raised meats. We will hear from a chef from Shaunavan who also has his uh, bison come from a producer in the Shaunavan area. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, it's mainly sunny here in the Yorkton area today, and we have some pretty mild temperatures once again. Yeah, gorgeous day. Uh, one of several days uh, through this weekend that we're going to be at least at, if not above freezing. I think at's a pretty good bet today. Should be right around zero, but don't be surprised, pleasantly surprised, if you see that uh, the thermometer take up to one or two degrees, especially if areas south. The wind is light, not a big uh, wind day. In fact, not a big wind a couple of days, even a calmer day, uh, calmer night tonight before the wind starts to pick up late tomorrow. Around zero today, partly to mostly sunny sky. High pressure is anchored over the uh, northwestern U.S. It actually extends from just south of the border, northern Idaho, all the way down into central Nevada. And that, uh, while is positioned south of us, that's just where the high is anchored. The ridge and the upper levels extends all the way through most of Saskatchewan, through most of Alberta, through a good chunk of British Columbia. So we're in this uh, solid ridge of fair sky, and we'll keep that around for tomorrow, too. Just a, a few scattered clouds. And a little bit of, you know... Thin clouds, some scattered cloud here and there, but no uh, no issue for any precipitation. Around zero today, falling back to minus four tonight, which, worth noting, is above our normal uh, high for this time of year. And for tomorrow, cloud and sunshine, with that start at minus four, should have no problem getting above freezing, up to around four during the afternoon. 
As the day goes on, though, the wind will start to gradually increase. Another storm system developing and strengthening uh, well up to our north, almost out of Saskatchewan, uh, extending into northernmost parts of Manitoba. More, uh, an issue, more a storm system centered in the northern parts of the country, but the extension of a front that will be starting to develop will bring it through here, and it'll be along that frontal zone where we start to get a bit of a gusty breeze developing. So we'll be into that by Friday evening, Friday night. Some cloud cover, too, but little or no other impact beyond the wind and the cloud. Minus 3 Friday night and around 0 Saturday. However, with the front sliding through, we may see the temperature level out uh, midday and then start to drop back a bit through the afternoon. Hardly a, a drop, just a subtle decline, maybe down to minus three or so. Almost this time of year, you don't, I had to decide it's worth mentioning because that zero or minus three this time of year is just either way, it's above normal. So whether it drops a few degrees or not, we're still under a, a pretty uh, mild condition. Uh, but it will be breezy and that wind will certainly drive the wind chill um, down to the upper minus single numbers close to minus 10. The next storm system is going to be trailing right behind, and that's going to start to bring in some cloud cover and, again, a gusty wind uh, by later Saturday night and Sunday. The cloud cover will increase through the night. It'll thicken up on Sunday. Much of Sunday still dry. It'll be late day and especially into the evening Sunday when some light snow develops. It'll be accumulating snow, likely one to two centimeters for the night, uh, a bit of blowing snow, too. And on Monday, that snow will continue heaviest of it during the early part of the day before it starts to ease up as flurries Monday night. But a gusty breeze, especially during the snow. Once the snow starts to wind down, the wind likely will as well. But it's the beginning of a cool down. We'll break this uh, warm spell. Minus 8 on Monday likely is one of the warmer days next week. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw and Show Lake Russell are minus 3 degrees. Swan River minus 4. Dauphin minus 1. Brandon minus 2. Roblin minus 8. Regina and Hudson Bay are at minus 3, Saskatoon minus 2, Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head minus 1, Winyard Wadena Kelvington plus 2. The Yorkton Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, a south wind at 15 kilometers an hour, 72% is the relative humidity, the temperature is zero, with the wind chill it feels more like minus 5 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of plus one degree and dropped to a low of minus seven degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is minus seven, the normal low minus 15. The sun rose in Yorkton at 821 this morning and it will set at 452 this afternoon. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hotspot was McCreary at plus 6 degrees. The cold spot Churchill at minus 14. The Saskatchewan hotspot was Maple Creek at plus 6 degrees. The cold spot Watrous at minus 10 degrees. And that's your agriculture weather. It's time now to check in once again with Tanya Cherry. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Lane Realty. When it's time to sell the farm, call Lane Realty, your trusted and experienced farmland real estate company. To include your property for showings, call 620-7260 or visit lanerealty.com. GX94, AgriView. 
The Saskatchewan government is introducing the Trespass to Property Amendment Act. It's in response to concerns about unauthorized access to private land by federal employees. Justice Minister Bronwyn Eyre says this formalizes and reinforces the change to trespass regulations made earlier this year that requires federal employees to comply with the act which prohibits individuals from entering private land without the owner's consent. Some Saskatchewan agricultural producers raised concerns about federal employees testing water on their private land without consent. Health Canada later admitted that federal employees had, in fact, been testing for pesticides. Failure to comply with the rules of the act will constitute an offence that could incur fines of up to $200,000. Members of the public can report suspected incidents of trespassing to their local RCMP or police services. Ice Futures canola contracts slid lower during the week ended yesterday, but remained stuck in a sideways trading range overall. The January contract was has held within a range of $800 to $900 per metric tonne for the past five months, with the market still well within that range, despite losing over $50 per metric tonne since Wednesday last week. Outside markets, including Malaysian palm oil and Chicago soy oil, have seen similar patterns, hitting highs then coming back down to hold within their own sideways ranges. That's according to David Derwin, a commodities investment advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. While historically wide crush margins remain a supportive influence, he says other factors were weighing on values, including recent weakness in crude oil. If agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's latest monthly principal field crop estimates hold true, mustard is having a bounce back year. High prices for the seed led to nearly double the acres planted for the 2022-23 marketing year at 556,000 compared to 289,000 the previous year. As a result, 177,000 metric tons were produced in Canada in 2022, more than the previous two years combined. Walter Dick, the Lethbridge-based general manager of Ole's Products Seed Division, says this year's mustard seed harvest went well with the help of more typical weather conditions in western Canada last summer, as well as dry conditions in October. Dick also says that brown and oriental mustard seed usually have higher yields than the more widely grown yellow mustard seed, and 2022 was no different. Ocean freight rates have come under pressure over the past month, nearing their lowest levels of 2022, as mounting COVID-19 cases in China, along with increased restrictions in the country, have contributed to concerns over declining demand. The Baltic Dry Index, or BDI, a major indicator of bulk shipping rates, settled at 1,149 points on Tuesday, marking its ninth straight decline and only slightly above the yearly low of 965 points hit at the end of August. The BDI, compiled by the London-based Baltic Exchange, provides an assessment of the price of moving major raw materials by sea. It is often seen as a leading indicator of global economic activity. Canada is at a freight disadvantage compared to its competitors exporting grains and oil seeds into many markets, with lower freight rates helping counter that disadvantage. Container rates have also come down lately, as global recessionary concerns and mounting supplies of empty containers at many worldwide ports weighed on prices.
And Manitoba egg producers showed their generosity last month by donating thousands of eggs to local food banks. In October, Manitoba egg farmers contributed to donating 12,000 dozen eggs, or 144,000 eggs, to Harvest Manitoba. To put that number into context, an online flyer from a grocery store in Manitoba is selling one dozen eggs for $6.99. That means Manitoba's ag and greater community donated more than $83,000 worth of eggs to local food banks. That total donation of individual eggs broke the record for the most eggs donated to the organization in one month. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. It's time now to head back out once again to Tanya Cherry. Welcome back to GX and Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly sunny and zero in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Soil testing in the fall is a good way to determine fertility needs for the spring, and the key to a good fertility plan is a representative soil sample. Dr. Diane Knight is a professor of soil science at the University of Saskatchewan's College of Agriculture and Bioresources. She says growers should be soil sampling every year, at least at first. In the beginning, I would say yes, until you start to understand how your soil is is responding to things. And so like the more you do it and the more you look at them, the more they give you sort of a, a, a picture of how your farm or that field um, reacts to dry heat you know thing, things like that all of those environmental things so some year you might say oh it was really really dry this year we put a whole bunch of fertilizer on i bet that that fertilizer is still sitting in the field um, because there was really poor plant growth because it was dry but you start to get experience so that you can then maybe do it every couple of years rather than every single year but i you know if you can if you have the time and the resources Sources to do it, I would suggest it every year. That's for fertility. For the benchmarking and the how is my farm doing in terms of soil health, um, less often is needed. Um, the biggest thing that you're looking at for that kind of soil sampling is um, organic matter is one of the things that you're going to be keeping the biggest eye on. Our soils, even though we know we've depleted organic matter a lot, like since farming began 120 years ago, um, we still have pretty high organic matter contents in our soil. So we're trying to measure kind of small changes against a big background of organic carbon. So it'll often take five years, even longer in some regions, 10 years before we can actually see any difference in our organic matter contents. So in that case, I'm gonna say three to five years, depending on what area you're in is probably um, enough for that benchmark sampling on those areas that you've GPSed or that you can go back and do over and over again. And she says there could be more you're looking at when it comes to a soil health test. There is, but the it's kind of, it's hard. Like soil health, what does that mean, right? Like it's it's sort of one of those nebulous terms that nobody's even I am not entirely sure what it means. Um, so labs don't really 
there are labs that will do tests for soil health, but most of your soil testing labs aren't at that point yet. So the best I think we can do today is organic matter, keeping an eye on it, looking at salinity, pHs, to pH increasing, decreasing. Why is it changing? pH is one of those things that doesn't change a lot. So if it is, you might want to figure out what it is that you're doing that's causing it to. So you kind of look at everything, but organic matter is the biggest one. Dr. Diane Knight is a professor of soil science at the University of Saskatchewan's College of Agriculture and Bioresources. She made her comments on the Pulse of the Prairies podcast. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Livestock market conditions. The U.S. livestock markets are closed today due to the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday. It's time now for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of November the 23rd. Another huge run here with 3,000 head in the short. Another 500 cows and bulls, a total of 3,500 for the day. Lots of cows still moving across the province. This cow and bull market selling a bit lower. D1, D2 cows, 78 to 88. D3 cows, 68 to 78. Cows are averaging 76.50. Good bulls, 117 to 127. Sales to 130. Bulls are averaging 115. On to the pre-sort sale. These good end feeder cattle selling reasonably well right now, but these plain and medium type cattle are selling lower. On the steer side, 400 pound steers, 315. 500 pound red Angus steers, 297. 575 pound black steers, there was 193 in this package, topped out at 276. 650 pound red black exotic steers, there was 113 in this package, sold for 258. My favorite pen, 710 pound char steers, 250. I like this pen here, 800 pound steers, 249. 850 pound steers at 232. On the heifer side, 425 pound heifers, 254. 500 pound tan heifers, 264. 575 pound heifers, 235. 650s at 223. 710s traded for 214. And 800 pound heifers at 204. Had some big yearling heifers here, 1,025 pound heifers. Sold for one ninety six. That comes out to two thousand and nine dollars. And the highlight of the morning: seven hundred and ten pound red Angus steers topped the market at two fifty four seventy five. This Friday, November twenty fifth, our first bred cow and heifer sale. Sale starts at eleven. This sale will be a smaller sale due to producers canceling keeping their cows, capping them out, and selling them as pairs in the spring. A good choice to all those producers. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The Canadian ag industry is a day away from finding out who the 2022 Canadian Outstanding Young Farmers are. Attendees of Canada's Outstanding Young Farmers festivities in Saskatoon will learn who the winners are tomorrow during a banquet. The competition recognizes farmers between the ages of 18 and 39 who exemplify excellence in their profession and promote agriculture. 
OYF President Steve Cooper says this year's event will be a lot different from last year. We're back to our normal now. We had to make some adjustments as everybody did a year ago, but now we're back in Saskatoon. The Saskatoon region is planning and doing the event. We've got most of our alumni here, so we've got our big crowd and we're pretty pleased with what's happening. He says the alumni help keep the event going so strong each year. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, bringing all these great farmers together. Our alumni is very tight. They come back year after year. We love to network. What's sort of our role as the organizing group is to uh, get the best of the best together and just, just let them talk, let them mingle. And that's where the good stuff happens. Cooper says they have quite a few alumni to draw from now. That's right. We've been going since 1981, just over 40 years. We're over 300 strong in alumni. He says their alumni come from right across the country. Yeah, we've got seven regions across the country, coast to coast, B.C. to the east. So we've got regions basically in every province, and every province has alumni. Cooper says the conference runs until Sunday. So there's two things. We're, we're going to name a Canada's Outstanding Young Farmers this week. That's what's, that's what's happening right now. We have our seven new honorees from across the country. We've brought them here. They're being judged right now. They're getting interviewed by a crew of judges. So they're being put through the ropes to find out uh, how good they are, how much they know, and what they can do. The alumni that's filing in, they're going on some tours this afternoon around Saskatoon. So they're having some fun. He tells us what the alumni are checking out. They are headed over to the university to see some research. They're seeing some scientific things. They're into some livestock barns. It's kind of a mix. There's a few choices. Cooper says the seven outstanding young farmer nominees will be having a busy day today. They've already filled out a very large 15-page application that's based on um, seven areas of focus. Uh, how much you've grown in your career, how you're handling the environment, your production history, your community involvement. So the judges have read this document that they've prepared, and now they're asking questions based on that. And the judges have already seen the presentation as a kind of like a rehearsal presentation and a, to get familiar with everybody. So the judges have a real good base to go on to ask some good questions. And as for tomorrow... So tomorrow, Friday, is a big day. We have uh, our annual meeting as an association. There's a form in the afternoon. And then our big event is where we'll name Canada's Outstanding Young Farmers, our evening gala. Cooper notes they give out two awards instead of one. It's a competition, but we don't want it to be a competition. And some people think, well, it's two. It would be an east and a west. But that's not the case. We're just looking for two top representatives to represent that group of seven as uh, Canada's outstanding young farmers. He says this year's seven nominees cover a wide spectrum of the agriculture industry. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's very reflective of what you see across the country. We have a representative from PEI into potatoes, uh, a Quebec farm with uh, dairy and maple syrup, Ontario uh, market garden growing strawberries, Saskatchewan, a grain, an organic grain grower, Alberta beef farmer, a good mix right across the board of all types. Cooper notes that some of the outstanding young farmer alumni members have actually retired now. That's absolutely right. And yeah, well, my hair's starting to gray up too. Uh, I've been around the program for 12 years now, but uh, I ran into some alumni from the late 80s here. So, but I think right now the new honorees, they're getting to know each other. They're forming those bonds and friendships right now. They're pretty locked down with interviews and the whole process. But as, as we move forward, they'll start to meet the rest of the alumni. And yeah, absolutely. Like the contacts you have across the country are amazing. He says the alumni help each other out whenever they can. 
No, that's exactly it. You can call anybody. Everybody's very open. And when it comes to traveling across the country, in every province you go to, we always stop in at someone's house and say, hey, we're in the area. Are you around? And we pop in. That's just how it goes. We have people pop in at our place. Cooper tells us about his farm operation. So I am from Ontario, just north of Toronto. Uh, we do market garden and livestock. We're a direct-to-the-public type of farm where we have an online business, a CSA is what we have, and we deliver boxes to people's homes in the city of produce. And he says he's learned to appreciate the differences in agriculture from coast to coast. The diversity of agriculture across Canada is amazing. That's eye-opening for some of our honorees to see all of it. But I think the common thread is these folks do great business. They run great business. They're incredibly innovative. They're incredibly creative. So scale or type isn't the main thing. The commonalities are in how we go about our businesses, and that's what we find we have a lot in common. Cooper says anyone can follow along with what they're doing this week. Just uh, keep an eye on our social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, Canada OIF, and you can stay up to date through that. Cody Straza and Allison Squires are representing Saskatchewan in the Outstanding Young Farmer Competition. The couple from Wood Mountain raise livestock and organic grains on more than 8,000 acres of land. Squires has a Ph.D. in toxicology from the University of Saskatchewan and promotes the organic industry through on-farm research. Straza received an agricultural and bioresource engineering degree from the U of S and implements principles he learned in university on his farm. Moving further east, Richard and Christy Lane Carr of Marchand will carry Manitoba's flag into the national competition. The farmer started out as a beef operation, but ended up selling land and most of their beef herd to enter the dairy sector. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this afternoon. January canola trading at 8.2040. That's down $8.70. March canola trading at 8.1210, down $11 per metric ton. The rest of the grain and oil seed markets are closed today due to the U.S. Thanksgiving holiday. It's time now to check in once again with Tanya Cherry. Thank you, Doug. Empty Bobbin in Swan River is where we are, where you can come to get your GX24 Christmas goodies cookbook. Yes, we do have some left, but we're running out of time. We're only here until 2 o'clock today, so come on. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Some chefs in our province have developed relationships with bison producers to prepare dishes with locally raised meat. One of those partnerships involves Garrett Thiens, who is better known as Chef Rusty, and Merrick Wigness with Wigness Bison. Chef Rusty and his wife Christy own Harvest Eatery in Shonovan in south-central Saskatchewan. Wigness Bison is about a half an hour from Shonovan in the Cadillac Admiral area. Chef Rusty talked about their relationship following a chef's panel during the International Bison Conference in Saskatoon this summer. Christy and I moved back home just over nine years ago and wanted to build something that we were proud of that kind of highlighted that food and it's taken on a life of its own since then. So, He says he accesses a lot of his food from local producers. Yeah, I would say about 80% of our menu plus um, in, the, in the fall 
time of the year, it can be up to 90%, 95 but being Saskatchewan, there's some things that aren't available year-round for us. Like 100% of our protein is uh, from local producers. We work a lot with pulses, local grains, focus more on root vegetables, pickling, canning, those sorts of things. So, Chef Rusty talks about how bison has been worked into his menu. Kind of more of how does it not, I guess. It's uh, Saskatchewan, kind of, I think, one of the signatures of the prairie, very synonymous with the open plains. And, and so for me, when we're trying to create the flavors of Saskatchewan on a plate, a big part of that is working with the produce that was native to this area, whether that's walleye or trout or bison. We do work with beef and pork and things that have been brought in along the years. But for me, when I was able to team up with Merrick and showcase the animals and what they're doing in the area i mean a the stuff he gives us is fantastic to work with b we're pretty proud of what we do with it and c i think when you can drive in and see those herds and then a minute later taste those kinds of things that really gives you a sense of a, a taste of place we call it and i think that's a way to really tie people in with what they're seeing as they drive through our province with what they're eating on the plate more so than fried chicken strips or something like that so He explains how bison is featured on his menu. We focus solely on our menu right now in a carpaccio, but we have done a number of different dishes. Buying whole animal, it, it leaves us with a number of the cuts. Right now, we're working with a carpaccio that allows us to work with a lot of the main primals, like the strip loin, ribeye, tenderloin, sirloin. We get this beautiful bison from Merrick. We uh, butcher it down in-house. We smoke it, lightly spice it, thinly slice it and shingle it on the plate at like a blue rare, so you can really taste the actual bison itself. And we top it with uh, a couple aiolis and some house pickles just to kind of complement the meat itself so that's kind of constantly on the menu we're constantly working on features with things like the short ribs and other cuts that you know we don't get in abundance every time we butcher an animal but that we can build up and utilize after a month or so chef rusty thinks more bison producers should get their product on restaurant menus. I think a big part will be uh, sitting down with chefs, identifying chefs that are doing great things with the food regionally, locally, even internationally. I was just kind of mentioning as we sat there that maybe uh, uh, some sort of bison food festival in the province wouldn't be the worst idea and, and easy to market and then you could bring in chefs from all over the province to kind of create and showcase dishes. Ultimately, the consumer is the key and chefs were just kind of the gateway so we get an opportunity to translate and show that, but we need to do it in a way that Joe Public can take it and go home and produce that food for himself in his kitchen and then in turn go to the grocery stores or hook up with a local producer, his local butcher, abattoir, and find his own supply of bison. That's Chef Rusty, who owns the Harvest Eatery restaurant in Shonovan. We'll hear from Merrick Wigness, who sells him his bison, coming up on another edition of GX on Agriculture. They both attended the chef's panel at the International Conference in Saskatoon in July. It's time now for your agriculture weather, and that's a presentation of Yorkton Ag and Auto Supply. The GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly to mainly sunny, winds west-southwest at 10 to 20, and a high of zero. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds south-southwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 4. For tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud, winds west-southwest at 15 to 25, a high of plus 4. 
Saturday, partly sunny. Winds west-northwest at 20 to 35 and gusting higher at times, a high of zero. For Sunday, a 40% chance of late-day snow with 1 to 2 centimeters possible, a high of minus 2. For Monday, an 80% chance of snow, at times heavy, and a high of minus 8. In the Paw and Show Lake Russell, it's minus 3 degrees. Swan River, minus 4. Dauphin, minus 1. Brandon, minus 2. Roblin, minus 8. Regina and Hudson Bay are at minus 3. Saskatoon, minus 2. Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head, minus 1. Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, plus 2. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, a south wind at 15 kilometers an hour. 72% is the relative humidity. The temperature is zero. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 5 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.